Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Hello, Firecrackers. Welcome to a new episode of The Honest Uproar. I have Amy with me. Um, Amy is a world traveler, a student, and a freelancer. Hi, Amy. Amy, how are you? Hi, Isabel. I'm great. Thank you. So, uh, Amy, could you tell us a little bit about yourself so that our audience can get to know you a little better? Sure. Um, So, as you said, I'm currently a student. I'm doing my second graduate degree. (laughs) It's a little crazy, but... I just enjoy education. Um, Like I said, I work as a freelancer, so I mostly work in e-learning and education, which is very fulfilling to work in. And I actually plan to be relocating to Germany uh, later this year to pursue more work. That's awesome. Are you going to be working on e-learning as well in Germany? Yeah, so it'll probably be a blend of both e-learning and corporate training. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. That's very interesting. Do you speak German? No, not yet. Um, I speak uh, conversational Mandarin and oh, I understand wow. some French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I spent some time in China, so I know some Chinese. Not, I wouldn't say I'm confident in it, though. <laughs> and um, I grew up learning French because I'm from Canada, but I can only read it and kind of get the gist. I don't speak it very well. So I'd like to master German. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be. And do you know how long are you going to be there for? Is it indefinite? Or? No idea. <laughs> okay. So I'd like to maybe stay, you know, longer term, uh, get in touch with my roots because I'm part German as well as Polish and some other uh, European ties. So I'd like to get in touch with those roots again. Awesome. Yeah, I actually just visited my first European country. Uh, That was Iceland. I took a wintry vacation. Iceland in winter wasn't that like super cold oh yes it was but the natural scenery was worth it though for sure I've heard amazing things about Iceland I've never been there either yeah the people are extremely friendly um you know it is it is difficult to withstand the violent winds but if you can overlook that and I think most Canadians can for the most part um it's it's definitely worth visiting for sure cool yeah I have it in my bucket list (laughs) I need to go there someday um, so Amy, tell us, are you passionate about what you do? Is it this what you wanted to do, like what you always wanted to do? Or is there anything else that you're passionate about? Yeah, so my journey actually into just careers and jobs has been kind of an interesting one because I've changed my mind so many times. But when I was in high school, I guess, I had more of an interest in like journalism and politics and social issues. So when I got to university, um, I actually studied politics and philosophy. I was considering being a lawyer or being a journalist or maybe even a teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, I still wasn't entirely sure. And then I did my first graduate degree in public policy. So I ended up working for the public sector for a couple of years and was a bit disillusioned (laughs) by how it really works. So I decided... I had the itch to travel very, very badly. Uh, a lot of people I went to school with, you know, went to different countries for their vacations and that, I couldn't afford that. 
as a student. So I spent most of my time just studying, working, studying, working. So when I finally graduated and worked for a bit, I decided, you know what, I'm going to pursue this. So I went to live in Vietnam first, which was a crazy decision. (laughs) That's bold. (laughs) Yeah, in hindsight, it definitely was. Um, It was Vietnam and then China after that, which is how I know a little bit of Chinese. And then now I'm back in Canada working as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'll be segueing into Europe. So I just want to see as many places as I can. Yeah, well, that's pretty interesting. So if you, I mean, just, you know, having this kind of nomadic lifestyle, to put it in a way, which I think it's awesome, by the way. Thank um, you. When did you decide that you wanted to live like that? You know, that you wanted to travel around? Um, Yeah, it was kind of strange how it happened because when I was working for the public sector, I almost resigned myself to a life of just staying in Toronto, watching the costs rise and, you know, rationing out vacations maybe once a year and that would be it. Uh, And that would be the sort of luxury that I would get uh, once a year. But I realized that the work I was doing, the environment that I was in, I guess several environments I was in, um, really weren't conducive to my happiness at all. Like I I thought once I get my degree, once I work, I'll get to pursue my passions, but it didn't really pan out that way. So I started questioning, you know, what truly makes me happy? What makes me excited to go to work or to be a part of something? So once I started traveling, I was still a little bit confused as to where I wanted to go ultimately. But then once I got into like, especially like training and teaching, I decided, you know what, this is what I really enjoy doing. This is what I want to spend my life being a part of. That's great. And did that, when you realized that that's what you wanted to do, did that have any, like, was it important as well at the time uh, in terms of making the decision of embracing the child-free lifestyle or was this something you decided before? Um, Yeah, the child-free aspect of it is interesting for me just because um, I recall even being as young as about nine or ten and not really feeling that urge. You know, like when, when I had other friends that were also young girls, they might have talked in passing about, oh, you know, one day when I'm a mother, I'll do this, or I would let my kids do that kind of thing. And I don't know why, but back then, those conversations always made me uncomfortable. I didn't like the idea of being a mother, but I was so young. So yeah. of course, I didn't take that very seriously. But as I got older, especially in my early adult years, it started to become clearer to me that for me to pursue what I was passionate about, for me to feel happiness, you know, children just weren't part of that plan. You know, it's like the financial investment, the time investment, the emotional investment. It's it's a lot. And I think for the right kind of person, you know, it can be very fulfilling. But for me, it, it's it's just it just doesn't uh, align with my other life goals. So I think it was more of a gradual realization and now I'm just cemented in it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Are you in a, currently in a relationship with someone? Yes, right now I am. And he's also a big child-free advocate as well. It's actually a major criteria for me when I date um, because I've been in situations <laughs> where people are not honest about yeah. what or not they want children and then that dishonesty causes a lot of problems and they're hiding what they really want yeah for sure So i make it very clear from the start like listen (laughs) the children thing you know i'm open to maybe marriage or anything like that but but no kids yeah if you want that pursue someone else and for the most part that works out but 
you know, how can you stop people from lying though, right? So sometimes you have to take that risk to see if they're genuine in what they say. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, when you have uh, a non-negotiable, like in this case, you know, just not wanting to have children, and there's other non-negotiables that I can think of in, in a relationship. I, I think it's best also to come out clean from the beginning, just to lay everything on the table. Absolutely, for sure. Okay, so um, so have you, I mean, you tell me about, you know, guys maybe not being too honest about it. Has that been like a big struggle in your past relationships or is there anything else that comes to mind uh, in terms of how you relate to, you know, uh, emotional romantic partners? Um. Yeah. So I've been fairly fortunate, I guess, because when I meet people and I openly say that I have this lifestyle and I want to keep it that way, um, most are actually pretty receptive to it. And I find actually a lot of men have told me, I mean, this is one of those um, truth bombs (laughs) that could actually go viral or something. Um, I've actually had many of them tell me like if they're on online dating sites, they'll say they want children even if they don't. And that's with the intent of attracting women because you know, quite a few of them do want to start families and and have kids. So if a man comes out and says, well, I don't want children, that just reduces the numbers even more for them. That's for sure. Yeah. So when I come out and say, well, actually, no, I'm vehemently opposed to wanting that for my own life. They're like, oh, that's a relief. (laughs) But I don't like the dishonesty part. So it's kind of mixed feelings, I guess. Yeah. I think that's uh, social media and also this dating apps and dating websites. (sighs) I don't know if you've seen, um, there's an Instagram account called Bye Felipe. Have you seen it? No, I can't say I have. Okay, I highly recommend it. Um, So it's, um, I don't remember the name of the founder, but she basically dedicates uh, her Instagram now to outing all of these men that say one thing on their profile and then, you know, they start sending inappropriate texts or inappropriate pictures and Uh like harassment online. And it's just this whole thing, right? It's happening all the time. And I mean, yeah, I understand why men would not want to, um, would want to lie actually to attract more partners, but in the end, it's going to blow up in the face, right? If they really don't want to have kids and then they get married and their wife wants children, what's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm, exactly. I think, you know, especially with da- the proliferation of dating apps, you know, a lot of it is kind of short term. I mean, of course, there are people who are looking for something more serious as well. But, you know, just the very nature of dating apps, they're convenient, they're, you know, almost automated in a way. So we look at it in a very short term, uh, kind of, through a short term kind of lens, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for something longer term, and then you're lying, that's not really compatible. Because right? like you say, it will explode in their face, and then they have to deal with the repercussions. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, not the best approach. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, okay, let's talk about another kind of love. Let's talk about self-love. Sure. Um, and let's talk about self-confidence too. Do you how do you feel about these two terms? Do you feel they relate somehow? Um, I tend to use them rather interchangeably. Um, so when people talk about, you know, your perception of yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence, um, this kind of language is interchangeable to me. So I just interpret it as, um, you know, how well or, uh, yeah, just how well you perceive yourself or, or not, um, so for the most part, like when I'm speaking to other people about this, they tend to put themselves much lower than what they actually are. So I notice that's a very common problem, especially from people in, from Toronto definitely have that uh, tendency. And maybe it's the same in other places too. But I think it's also a byproduct of um, 
you know, just being in a very hyper competitive kind of place yeah. where you're, you know, you're almost kind of microanalyzing every, everything. <laughs> and you're wondering, am I good enough? Am I, you know, am I good enough for that job? Am I good enough for that relationship? Mm. or whatever it happens to be. So I tend to look at them as kind of one and the same. And those are the thoughts that it invokes in me. Okay. And how do you feel that you are right now? Say we take a scale from one to 10, one being uh, no self-esteem and, and 10 being having healthy love for yourself. Or do you, where would you place yourself at this time? Um, I place myself at about a seven. Maybe. Mm -hmm. um, just because I, <laughs> I have a lot of perfectionistic tendencies yeah. and I'm aware of that. So I don't think I would ever uh, get to a place where I'm at a nine or 10 um, because I'm always thinking of what the next thing is, you know, whether that's, um, you know, doing more, seeing more places, doing more traveling or um, educating myself more and not necessarily in a formal way, just getting more life experience so that I grow wiser and, <laughs> you know, hopefully know no more things for my future. Mm -hmm. So I'm always kind of, you know, trying to be uh, realistic about how I look at myself. So I would say about a seven. And has it been more or less the same level your whole life? Or was it different when you were younger? Oh, it has fluctuated a lot. Um, I think in my younger years, I was a very neurotic kid. <laughs> I, I was very, um, just extremely timid, very fearful, um, especially of confrontation. Like I really didn't like it. So I was a target of bullying for a pretty substantial length of time when I was a kid. But once I became a teenager, it kind of changed in a strange way. Um, I ended up uh, kind of getting immersed in a lot of different subcultures. Mm -hmm. um, particularly alternative subcultures, then I kind of found a home in them. So that's where my self-esteem really um, kind of boosted because I felt like, you know, the interests that I had, uh, the passions that I had, they had a place, like a place of acceptance. Yeah. And then I didn't doubt myself so much. Whereas when I was a kid, there was a lot of, you know, I hate to phrase it this way, but a lot of like strict conformity mm -hmm. that was enforced, right? Like you had any interest that was slightly different and you know how kids can be, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> They'll ostracize you. It's like, what? You like this movie? Oh, we're not talking to you anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and it can crush you as a kid, right? But yeah. as I got older, I stopped caring and I just found a place to put everything that I was passionate about. Yeah. So finding people that were like-minded helped you basically. Absolutely. Yeah. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. So speaking of like-minded people, what kind of people do you surround yourself with, your friends? Um, I would say they're, they're like me, but in their own unique ways. <laughs> so Meaning that um, I think the people that are closest to me now compared to, say, when I was in university, um, I'd say they were more or they are more um, independent uh, as they've gotten older and as they've discovered themselves. They're far less likely to be apologetic for their beliefs or for their identity or anything like that. So I get along much better with people of that variety because they also tend to be more honest, you know, that they have nothing to hide. So why would they lie or why would they try to undermine anyone? They wouldn't because they're comfortable with themselves, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's not very common, actually. So I try to keep those people as close as possible. Yeah. 
So do you feel that these people have a healthy level of self-esteem? Um, in my case, uh, it greatly depends on the individual. Um, I have a few friends who actually work in entertainment and even like the sex industry. Mm -hmm. And I think they're actually among the most confident that I know. Whereas I have a few others that do recognize their strengths, but still see themselves as lesser than the majority of people. So it tends to um, fluctuate a lot from person to person. Mm -hmm. And what would you say it's uh, one of the most common factors that would reduce a child-free woman's self-esteem? Definitely social group for sure, or just social environment in general. Um, you know, like when I was in my early 20s, I think most of the female friends I had and even some of the male ones too, but it was actually more the female ones, um, they all wanted children, or at least the majority of them did. So I was not even comfortable saying that I wanted to remain child-free throughout my life. Um, and that made me feel less confident, less self-assured, because I couldn't just openly disclose, you know, what I was thinking and feeling. Mm. And one of my friends is going through that now, uh, not just with the child-free um, aspect of things, but also like her career choice. You know, people often question it or, you know, are just downright insulting towards yeah. it. So I think it ultimately comes down to who's around you. And sometimes you can control it, but sometimes you can't. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I just feel that people can be so judgmental, you know, and... Absolutely. And even on social media in the last couple of years, like on my Facebook, I keep in touch with a lot of people who I went to high school with or went to university with. And quite a few of them are parents now. Mm -hmm. And the thought never goes through my mind like, oh, what a terrible decision that was. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I just think like, okay, they're doing what they want to do. And I don't give it any thought after that. But the moment you come out and post something, even if it's just something kind of funny and harmless, that's about being child-free, they yeah. get upset. Yes, yeah. Um, I think that the social norms of, you know, being born, getting married, and reproducing and dying are a lot stronger than one would think. Yes, very much. Because, I mean, I had a conversation with a friend the other day. She's a psychiatrist. And she said to me, I mean, she's had a very long career. She's been working as a psychiatrist for 30-odd years. And she said to me, uh, I've never, ever had a child-free woman come into my uh, practice and say that she regrets not having children. However, <laughs> I've had many women that have had children come into my practice and say that they regret it, like totally regret it. So that says a lot, you know, that I think that um, people are just don't feel that they can just be free about their choice. It's a little bit taboo, so... Oh, very much. And uh, you touched on something really important there, too, because I, I can't remember if it was like the New York Times or another publication a few years ago. They were actually releasing a series of uh, articles about, you know, mothers who are much older now, like maybe in their 60s or even 70s, who were coming out and saying, you know, I regret having children. Mm. And, you know, of course, for many of them, like they still loved their children because, you know, they're, they're tied to them and they raise them. You know, you can understand all of that, right? But Ultimately, they still felt that it was out of social compulsion rather than out of a free choice. And I yeah. think that's that's ultimately the wedge. I think that's created between people who are so adamant about having children and everyone needs to have children versus people who are child free. I think they don't accept our choice, 
but we have to accept theirs so that reciprocity isn't there. Mm-hmm. And so the people who end up having children not really thinking about it are typically the ones you hear about years later. You know, maybe they're not happy with their kids or their kids are not happy with them. And it just becomes this cyclical thing where no one's truly happy. You're just doing it because you're supposed to, like as if you're following a script. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's true. Um, I think also that the younger generations, I'm in my mid thirties now, uh, but I feel that the younger generations are are a lot more... um, I wouldn't say understanding, that's not the word. They're a lot more uh, tolerant towards that. And there's a lot more people in the younger generation that are choosing the child-free lifestyle. Would you agree with that? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I hope that's the case. Um, I'm just, I'm not around um, a lot of people from the younger generation, I guess. Like, I'm close to 30 myself, but it's just a general thing that usually the generation after you is generally more open to certain things than maybe you know, people in your own generation might not be so open to, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like my parents' generation or even, oh, God forbid, my grandparents, you know, when it came to things like, you know, gay marriage or even like accepting climate change or things like that, you know, they, they weren't, they either denied it or just said, you know, this is morally unacceptable, right? Whereas with our generation, you know, we were the ones that said, hey, this actually isn't an issue and here's why. So I've actually had people in my own family change their minds about some of these. I mean, it's not so hot button anymore, I guess, but for quite some time it was. And now we're kind of seeing that with the younger generation too, you know, so instead of just succumbing to that societal pressure, they're thinking about it more too. They're thinking, wait a minute, we have access to all this information, you know, all these different points of view. It's not like back in the day where, you know, you didn't have the internet, you didn't interact with so many different people from different places and get different perspectives. Now these young kids can do that. So they're starting to think about all these different issues and think, I can carve my own path. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, they're very lucky. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, I think so too. Very lucky. Um, Do you think that the decision of being child-free ties in somehow with uh, your self-esteem? I think for me, it does. Um, And the reason that it does is because it it kind of cuts to the heart of individual freedom. Mm. So when you have children, right, and you always hear parents talk about this, right, the moment they're born, that becomes your life, right? It's not about you anymore. It's about them. Which, you know, obviously from a, you know, biological and even social perspective, obviously that makes perfect sense because they're the next generation coming in. I totally understand that. But I think when it comes to my own uh, life and the trajectory of my life, I don't see that being something that I want to put my energy towards. Mm -hmm. So if it were to happen, you know, in some um, unintentional kind of way where, oh, now I have a child. Yeah, I would own up to it, but I, I'll fully admit that I wouldn't be happy about it. And my self-esteem would probably take a toll because the things I pride myself on, which is like my work and my education and my travel experiences, and also, you know, in my free time, just, you know, feeding my brain and doing art and all those different things, I wouldn't have the time for that anymore. You yeah. know, those would all not only be in the back burner, they might just be completely forgotten about. So I think it would have a huge hit for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that I think I completely agree with you on that one. I think uh, when you lead a certain lifestyle in which you have all the time for yourself and to do all these activities to that make you happy, whatever they are, uh, and then having to sacrifice some of those things that make you happy to take care of this breathing, living being that you didn't 
really want, you know, to stop to begin with. I, I'm pretty sure that that's, uh, that should have a very big impact on someone's mental health, for sure. Absolutely. And I think, too, that the large stigma around being child-free is also the idea that it's selfish. You know, and I've heard this touted by, you know, politicians, religious figures, everyday people. You know, it's it's a very common uh, sentiment. But often, though, when I hear people who have kids talk about why they did it, they're usually the most selfish reasons I've ever heard. You know, something like, I want my family name to be carried on, or I want something that looks like me. <laughs> or, you know, I just think, well, th- you're bringing a whole new life into the world just to say, look at this mini me. I mean, yeah. what is more selfish than that? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've also heard the, uh, I- I'm having a child because I need it to take care of me when I grow old. <laughs> Oh, yes. That's a common one, too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I absolutely. I think um, there I agree with you on that one, too. There's just so many parents out there that uh, have children for selfish reasons, but they don't really see it. Right. They're just, um, you know, just being in line with the social norms and just doing what human beings are supposed to do, you know, according to the norms under which we live in, I would say. Um, Amy, um, so I wanted to ask you one last question before uh, we finish our talk. Um, and it is, do you do any specific practices or do you have any specific um, exercises that you do uh, to strengthen your self-love or your self-confidence? Anything that you want to share with the audience? Sure. Um, So I don't know if this is strange or if anyone else does this or not, but what I like to do is maybe like every six months or so. I mean, it's not a set uh, timeline, but I like to periodically check in with myself using a notebook. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do notebook is I'll just write down, okay, what have I accomplished in the last year? And then in a macro sense, what have I achieved in the last three years or the last five years to kind of get a broader sense of where I'm going and where I've been? And the reason I do that is because especially now that I'm getting close to 30, I always think, you know, because time goes by so quickly. So you want to reflect on, okay, how much have I actually achieved that I wanted to? And what do I still have left to kind of check off the list technically, right? Mm -hmm. So I find that doing that actually really helps me put things in perspective. Because when you get caught up in the grind of like working or studying or whatever, sometimes you forget like, hey, you're actually doing a lot. Like, check in with yourself, give yourself some credit and realize how far you've come. And that took me a long time Hmm. to be able to do, but I find it very useful. That is great advice. Thank you very much, Amy. And again, thank you for your time, for being here with us today. Um, and I wish you all the best luck in Germany. Uh, oh, thank you. To, you know, find what you're looking for and that it makes you absolutely happy. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.